Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. and video tapes. It's been a tapes, tips. Um, am I in New Zealand? Who knows? I could be. Um, here I am on Soho Radio and it's lovely to have you with us. You may not have listened to the show before. You might be wondering, well, what is this show all about and who is this woman? Well, over the past, I think, five years, I've been welcoming a plethora of fantastic guests on the show and talking to them about their favourite pieces of music that quite often have earmarked parts of their lives. So uh, it's great to have my guest here this morning. She's normally on my side of the table, but this time she's going to be a guest, which is rather fun. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to introduce her. We've got Sally Hughes in this morning. Sally Hughes is a journalist, writer and broadcaster. She is The Guardian's resident beauty columnist. Hughes' first job was in journalism and as a staff writer for the men's lifestyle magazine Loaded in the mid-1990s. She since has written for Grazia, Elle, Guardian, of course, and Glamour, Stylist, Shortlist and Cosmopolitan and has had her residency at The Guardian since 2011. She also appears weekly on BBC Radio 5 Live. She's a big part of Soho Radio 2. And Sally um, presented an edition on BBC Radio 4 programme, File on 4, in October 2020, a very impactful piece about her experiences as a victim of abusive comments from internet trolls. In 2018, she co-founded Beauty Banks with Joe Jones, a charity that provides those living in poverty with basic daily hygiene essentials and personal care items. Um, as I said, she's a, radio, she's a Soho Radio favourite and we're very glad to have her here today. Welcome, Sally. Hello, nice to be here. Very novel to be this side of things. Oh, well, it's lovely to have you with us. Now, I asked you to choose six pieces of music, Sally, mm-hmm. and I just wondered, would these six be the same tomorrow? Some of them definitely would. Some of them definitely would. There were some that were no-brainers and then there was a kind of bun fight over the remaining slots, which is why I've ended up with too many. Yeah, cheekily, Sally (laughs) submitted seven, which is just unheard of in the history of sex lives and videotapes. But um, are they, do they earmark moments in your life? Yes, they do. Or or something, something very significant. So track one is Being Boring by the Pet Shop Boys. And actually, do you know what? I was listening to, I was listening to your tracks and um, 
They're very similar to Dominic Skinner, who... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, is the... Um, yes, I know, Dom. ...previous guest on the show, international um, global makeup artist with MAC Cosmetics. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder if they went to the same parties or whether they just got the same influences and I wonder whether there was some kind of symmetry there. But anyway, being boring, Pet Shop Boy Sally, where does this track take you? So... You mentioned at the top, or you asked at the top, whether these songs would be the same if I were to pick them tomorrow. This would sail into literally every pick ever. It is the song of my whole life. It is the song that I played at my wedding. It's the song I would want at my funeral. It is the kind of pivotal song for me. Where it takes me... Oh, it takes me to so many places. So it's, it's, it's a song ostensibly about AIDS, but really it's about a young man's journey uh, moving to London. And lots of it mirrors my own journey. So I left Wales to come to London when I was a very young teenager and just couldn't wait to leave, couldn't wait to meet exciting people. Um, All of the friends I met, or almost all of the friends when I first came to London that I met were gay men. Um, Several men around me died of AIDS, so that's really significant for me. But also, significantly, after I moved to London, um, one of my first ever jobs was as makeup artist for the Pet Shop Boys, assistant makeup artist on a few of their videos, not being boring, which is their best video, but um, started working with them through um, my boss, who was a well known makeup artist at the time called that's Lynn Easton. A good first gig, Sally. Well, my first gig was a chocolate commercial, actually. My second gig was uh, Pet Shop Boys, and then did a few things with them. And they are probably my favourite band of all time. Behaviour, the album that Being Boring comes from, is the best Pet Shop Boys album. And it's quite rare that Pet Shop Boys sing Being Boring live, although I've seen them live many, many, many times. It's quite rare that they sing it, but when they sing it, when they perform Being Boring, I just fall to pieces because I feel as though it's the story of my life. And there's part of the song that turns into... um, when he gets to the point where life has come good and he's kind of got everything he thought he ever wanted and he's thinking about the people he misses during that moment. And, yeah, that makes me really emotional. It's it's my favourite song of all time. That's that. For that reason, Sally, I think it'd be rude not to play it. <laughs> Shop Boys there. It's Kelly Ford on Sex Lives and Videotapes and I'm joined by Sally Hughes. Now, um, Sally, you grew up in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, how? What was your childhood like there? Um, it was quite odd. It was different from everybody else's. Uh, everybody at school's childhood was very different um, on the surface of things. So my mother left when I was a baby um, and for the first seven or eight years of my life I was raised by my father uh, and then latterly, we moved in with my mother and my very nice stepfather. Um, and they had two more children. And uh, we're a big family. There are five of us. Uh, I've got four brothers. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was chaotic. You know, my parents were not conventional. Life was chaotic and quite strange. 
um, and quite stressful at times, I suppose. And then um, I just couldn't wait to leave home, basically. I couldn't wait to run away to London, which is what I did just before my 15th birthday. Just before your 15th? Yeah. I just couldn't wait. I just wanted to go and have a life, wanted to get away from my hometown. We were quite a strange family. We were known as quite a strange family. Um, So did you want to write your own story? Yes. I couldn't wait to go to work and earn some money. I couldn't wait to not feel like I was living in a goldfish bowl. I lived in a really small mining village and people, I remember walking down the street one day and a girl I'd never seen in my life before went past me and she went, your family's horrible. And I remember just my stomach going over. I must have been maybe six or seven or something. And I just felt like that all the time. I just wanted to be somewhere where I wasn't judged and where people weren't kind of pointing at us. It was strange. My father was a lot older than all the other dads. He was quite an old man. Uh, And obviously my mother wasn't there, so that was unconventional. Um, My father wasn't Welsh, so that was obviously very strange he was a hoarder he drank a lot he was a nice man but he was a hoarder he drank a lot just everything not conventional everything was a bit unconventional and everything was a bit chaotic and we were mostly on our own really as siblings and um that felt kind of a bit shameful and a bit embarrassing and so I just couldn't wait to go and make my own life really and make your own life you have yeah yeah I have but um yeah, it, it's, a str- it's a strange thing. I mean, people talk... Um, I mean, a lot, lots went on that, that I won't talk about, but it was just... It, yeah, it was hard. It wasn't, it wasn't a great childhood, I would say. There um, were good things about it, though. Yeah, I think... Um, thank you for going there for us. I, uh, um, it's important to um, hear your whole story, I think, because um, this is your show, Sally. So um, there may be people that haven't heard your story before, so I wanted to kind of ask you that question to kind of get a beginning. Yeah, and yeah, a- yeah, yeah. So 15 years old, you head to London, mm-hmm. and you, as you mentioned just before listening to the Pet Shop Boys, you kind of befriended some, some of the gay community, and you got your first job um, as an assistant makeup artist. Mm-hmm. How did you first know that you had a bit of a flair with makeup? So I was always obsessed with beauty. So there were two things that happened. So one thing that happened was I was raised by a man and in a house with only boys and men in it. And so I really craved girly things. Like I had my hair cut at the barber shop. I wore my brother's hand-me-down clothes. I just didn't feel girly and I always wanted those things. And so I had that craving uh, for it. And I was transfixed by the way my grandmother wore makeup, the way my mother wore makeup. And, And they took real pride in their appearance and that was something I admired. And then the other thing was that I was born with a skin condition called ichthyosis that I'd inherited from my father. And that made me obsessed with skin because I was in and out of dermatologist's office throughout my childhood. Well, how does that represent? How does that present? Uh, so ichthyosis is what happens when your cells are constantly turning over and you don't shed the flakes. So you constantly have to take away dead skin flakes from your whole body. And you get really, I mean, obviously we're on in an audio um, medium here, so you can't see, but like my hands are really lined. Um, and those lines are from ichthyosis, my feet, and incredibly dry skin, dry, flaky skin. And um, 
in those days, obviously, you had to go and see NHS dermatologists about it. There was very little known about it. And my father's ichthyosis was extremely severe. And I knew, I worked out that if I looked after and treated my own ichthyosis, that it would, it got better than my dad's. And so I manage it extremely well. And I'm really grateful. I'm really glad I've got ichthyosis. Genuinely, I'm really glad. Um, because it taught me all about skin and it made me completely obsessed with skin. So I had these two things. I had uh, an obsession with making up and beauty and perfume and so on then I had this very real uh, significant thing surrounding skin that I had to manage and those two things kind of came together as an obsession really so I was always doing my friends makeup at school and all of that and I was always experimenting making products by mixing products together and all of that and so it just kind of seemed inevitable. So track two is uh, Madonna deeper and deeper. Mm. Um, where does this take you? God she looks good doesn't she? Oh. So Madonna is the artist of my life. She's the most influential artist of my life, without a doubt. I fell in love with Madonna watching uh, Top of the Pops with my granddad um, in South Wales. Saw her on Top of the Pops for the first time, went to school the next day and said, oh, my God, did anybody see Top of the Pops last night? And my best friend, Linda, said, I did, I did. And we were just so obsessed with Madonna, and that obsession has never waned. And to this day, I'm still in touch with her. We're both now 46. Actually, she's just turned 47. And we are both still obsessed with Madonna. We both go and see Madonna uh, separately all the time, love her. And Deeper and Deeper... Um, is the song of my friendship group. So when me and all my friends are out and we're a bit merry, as soon as Deeper and Deeper comes on, you have to get up and dance. It's such a kind of euphoric track. And although there are lots of Madonna tracks that maybe are more significant in my early life, Into the Groove is probably my favourite Madonna song, for example. Deeper and Deeper is the sound of good times to me. And she is so significant to me because truly it's hard to... It's hard to explain to younger women what she meant at the time. Uh, as a teenager growing up in South Wales, or as a child actually growing up in South Wales, to have this woman come along and be autonomous and be sexual and not give a shit what people thought about her um, was so powerful to me. And she was really inspiring to me in getting up and getting on with my own life. Praise her. Praise Madonna. And let, let's play it right now. little bit of Madonna. Um, so I wanted to touch upon your writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read that you have been at The Guardian since 2011, that's quite a long residency, isn't it? I've actually been writing for The Guardian for longer than that. I've had that column since 2011, but um, I was already a Guardian writer, freelancer. Um, and so, yeah, probably maybe 13, 14 years. When did you realise you first could write? Um, well, I'm sure people would, um, some people would disagree that I can. Um, but uh, I just always, always, always love writing. I said to my father when I was about four, I think, I said that when I grew up, I wanted to be an author, which actually wasn't technically correct. I wanted to be a journalist, but I didn't know the word. 
I wanted to write magazines. That's what I always wanted to do. And I thought the word for that was author. And I said to my dad, I want to be an author. And he said, you know, whatever other shortcomings my parents had, they were very, very good at just going, well, you can do what you want. You can, of course you can. You can do what you want. Brilliant. And my father said, yeah good idea go on then and so I always had it in my head that I would end up writing for magazines and that's what I did and I think all the way through school I wasn't particularly interested in school um I was a you know I was a decent student but I couldn't really be bothered with it stopped going altogether when I was about 14 um but when I was writing that would be the time I would get lost that would be the time my I would get flow and my brain would be completely focused and you know I kept a diary and stuff like that I was always writing stories and so on and so yeah I didn't really have a plan b so track three paint a vulgar picture (laughs) is that baby sensory for you (laughs) um by the smiths what is this track to you sally where does it take you so uh the smiths were the first band i ever became obsessed with um I became obsessed with them when the Queen is Dead album came out and my brothers bought it and we just listened to it on a loop and it was the first gig I ever went to, The Smiths. I saw The Smiths in 1986 when I was just 11 years old at Newport Leisure Centre in South Wales (laughs) Um, and went with my brothers. Morrissey got pulled off stage after about eight records, I think, after about eight songs Um, and then the gig was abandoned. But it was my first gig and it was the most excited I have ever felt I couldn't believe my eyes so Morrissey who I readily concede is a total asshole these days but at the time was my hero he and Johnny Marr and he came on stage in a kind of school blazer and he was carrying a placard saying the Queen is dead and he came on to Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet and the atmosphere was insane it was so electric I have never felt anything like it and it sort of spoiled me really because I thought when it was over I thought that's what gigs are I thought that's what happens at gigs that's how you feel at gigs and then I had a few disappointments after that next gig I saw was the Star Council, who I loved, but were nowhere near as exciting and good. Um, and so I was a bit spoiled by that gig. But they were the defining band of my childhood. Um, and Paint a Vulgar Picture is my favourite Smiths track. At the record company meeting On their hands a dead star And oh, the bands they weep And oh, the sickening That's a little bit of the Smiths there. Um, and I'm joined today by Sally Hughes. It's lovely to have you with me. So one thing that I mentioned in your intro is, I'll call it a documentary piece on File on 4, about your experience as a victim of abusive comments from internet trolls. And this came out in 2020. It was a very impactful piece of radio. Um, to anyone that may not have listened to it, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, oh, so I wrote and presented an episode of File on Four on the phenomenon of internet trolling and specifically dragging sites, hate sites, where there are websites where people just gather together to slate people, basically, um, and kind of delving into what they imagine people's family lives are, what their friendships are like, and they just kind of invent whole fantasy worlds for people they don't know. So 
I had written about it and I'd made a video because of my experiences and because I worked so frequently with Radio 4, they got in touch and said, uh, would I like to write and present an episode? So I did and it was it was extremely um, interesting and kind of healing. I don't, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about trials because it does give them a massive boner when you talk about them. But I did find that experience extremely healing, mainly because I spoke to so many psychologists who specialise in looking at exactly this sort of behaviour. And I found it so healing to listen to really eminent incredibly intelligent and educated psychologists that we interviewed for the show but also that we didn't interview that we just kind of did research with going yeah that person's playing that role there's always one of those and then there's always one of those doing that then there's that one who tries to say the funniest most horrible thing then there's those people who just laugh and are too scared to say it themselves then there's that person who's really obsessed with you and feels like she was your friend and turns out she's not and you know and and there's all there's all these kind of roles that people play and I found that incredibly influential um to me in how I handled and processed it I mean it made it's been good in a way and it's made me massively appreciate my friends nobody on there knows me everybody who knows me has gone who the hell are they talking about this is just like a totally different person um understanding the behaviours and how textbook they are and how basic they are. It should be criminalised. It should be criminalised, this kind of behaviour. I... I can't... Um, we're, yeah, we're not going to delve into it much. This is Sally's it, show. Essentially, essentially, where I'm in a better place with it than I, than I was. Uh, talking about my family and dead friends it was just, and my children and saying I never see my children because I don't put my children on social media she never sees them she always gets rid of them forces them onto other people just sort of so false and I was in a really really bad place with it but the documentary really helped and over time you just kind of go there's nothing I can do mm. and it's just a, a moral thing look we all do things wrong however if you are repeatedly being nasty and abusive about someone and they are going, you are causing me pain, you are causing pain and upset to me and those around me, you are negatively affecting my mental health. If your response is to go, tough shit, I'm not doing anything wrong, you deserve it, you're lying, you're just doing this for attention. If that's your response, then you've decided what you are and who you are. Mm. And you go your merry way, but don't ever try and pretend you're anything but that. Mm -hmm. If someone says you are hurting me and you carry on, then that is what you are because normal people go god shit sorry and, I got and it walk wrong. away yeah. and apologize and cease their behavior but if you continue on and on and on then you have decided what you are and i can't change you now if anyone wants to listen to this very impactful piece can they probably that is on yeah iPlayer. it's yeah it's on iplayer if you go to if you just uh, go on to the iplayer and put in my name uh, it'll come up I think there should be some criminalisation around uh, around trolling and and actually just in the way it can affect it can affect not just the people you're trolling but the actual families and friends and the number of people who've been in touch with me since that documentary and said that they have either attempted suicide or have pondered suicide or developed serious mental health issues. I really really hope that somebody does not die. But if they do, I hope the trolls have got something better up their sleeve than, well, we were only criticising. You need something better up your sleeve when somebody's life is ruined forever. Track five, Got to Give It Up, Marvin Gaye. Why this track, Sally? Why is this your track five? 
So I adore Marvin Gaye, absolutely adore him. And um, my favourite album is What's Going On. I couldn't choose the track from What's Going On because it's a continuous sound. There are no track breaks. Each track bleeds into the next. So I had to choose something else. Um, so I chose this track because it's such a banger, makes you want to dance. And also Marvin Gaye influenced the name of my firstborn, whose name is Marvin, who is now nearly 17. And um, I always, always, always knew that if I had a little boy, he was going to be called Marvin. And he loves his name. I love his name. And he now loves Marvin Gaye. So this is for him. Sally, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do this to you. You've got two tracks left. You gave me seven tracks. This is a six-track show. Yes, I it's know. It's going to be track roulette. That's all right. I did say, you know, we could do seven, but we've chatted too much. So That's all right. Shall I say what they were, then pick one? Yeah, you can do that. Um, so... No list would be complete without Prince. I adore Prince. And um, he was for my other son because I went to see uh, Prince a few times, but I last saw Prince while my youngest child uh, was about to be born. So I was nine months pregnant and we went to see Prince together. Um, so I chose Alphabet Street. And then the other track I chose was Here, There and Everywhere by The Beatles. I feel like I can't not have The Beatles because um, they are so wonderful and such an important band in my life. And I think Here, There and Everywhere is the most beautiful, pure, heartfelt love song that just takes me somewhere wistful. Let's do it. I need my love to be here Here Making each day of the There we go. A little bit of Beatles to finish off the show. Thank you for a gorgeous hour, Sally. I've loved talking to you. Um, we haven't even spoken about the amazing Beauty Banks, um, but what can people do to get involved? So Beauty Banks is mine and Jojo's uh, charity. And what we do, as you said at the top, is redistribute essential hygiene products to people in Britain living in poverty. Um, this Christmas, we have a Make a Wash campaign on where you can buy a voucher on our website. So if you go onto our website, you can buy a voucher. It's beautybanks.org.uk and you can buy in all sorts of denominations, little £5 stocking filler right up to £50 and all that money will go to buying toiletries for people who desperately need them, be they in homeless shelters, women's refuges, schools, mental health trusts and so on. We will get the goods to them. Thank you so much, Sally. It's been a fantastic hour. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day.